All right, let's get this show underway. Uh, Harrison, what have we got for today? What's happening today as I welcome you? Yes, so as usual, we're just going to talk a couple of footy topics and then we're going to wind into something a little bit different again. We're going to run through all the pets that we've had in our family. Oh, Jesus. It's, it might sound a little bit weird, but trust me, this is going to be good. And then we've got, after that, we've got Mike Sheen joining us. Legendary journo. Uh, he, he is one of the greats of uh, of the footy world. From a reporting aspect, both electronically and in print. Yes, before we look, get started, though, I understand to look after our great sponsors, Grimley. So we're proudly brought to you by Grimley's, the number one source for fasteners and construction supplies. To kick us off, I saw a truck today uh, with Grimley's coming over the west. Another Gate. one. Yeah. Every time I'm on the road now, I see one. That's how often they're delivering. Well, the weather's good, so none of the construction sites are in the sheds, so no. they're out, out and about at the moment. Um, Maynard, free to play. What does that mean for football moving forward? Not necessarily the finals and all that stuff, but what does it mean broadly? Yeah. Look, I'm glad they I'm glad they found the result that they found because I think football I, I am still worried about I keep hearing from the journalists that know that there are gonna be rule changes because of this, and that worries me because I I saw it as accidental contact, right? Exactly the way the tribunal have basically seen it. Mate, if you fly for a mark, if, if you jump on my shoulders, Harrison, your knee could make contact with the back of my head, could make contact with my jaw if you come from the side and knock me out. That's accidental contact. Jumping to smother in the air, I saw as accidental contact. Look, it's been amazing how people have taken sides on this, but that, that's the way I saw it, not, not for the particular incident, but for the good of the game. Because we must keep our game combative, uh, we must not lose that element out of out of our game, and that's what I'm worried about. That we may in fact lose lose the ability for these collisions. Listen, players when they run are running faster than they've ever run before. The possibility of collision, likelihood of contact with the head, is high. Players are jumping higher than they've ever jumped before. On top of players and packs. And they're braver than they've ever been before, and so this is this is what this is what worries me. I don't want to see that element disappear out of our game. I actually think, and th- this is not targeted at Angus Brayshaw, but guys like Paddy McCartan, perhaps, and others. And if you are susceptible to concussion, and that means that you've had it several times. You should, you should think about not playing our game because our game is not good for your long-term health. The longevity of not yeah. necessarily the next five to ten years but no. potentially what's happening. For their life because yeah. footy is a tiny part of their life. It's, one, it's such a tiny part of their life. I think if you are susceptible, you should look for another occupation because I just don't think it's good for your health to continue to get knocked around the head. I mean you, they speak about boxers having glass jaws. Um by that they mean, Harrison, that some people that they fight uh, are more susceptible to a punch to the jaw or more sus- susceptible to concussion or being knocked out than others, right? Or they lose the tolerance to yeah. be able to take those punches S- over time. Some can handle it better than others. It's just a fact of our makeup as as people. So, so I think if you're susceptible and you have – I just think you should – consider whether our game is good for your long-term health. Do you think about that 
I don't, I don't, I've never asked I you this before. I had one concussion in my life. Yeah. So do you think about, you know, the head knocks generally, maybe not full-on concussions, that that might have an effect on you now? On me? Yeah. I reckon you've got something wrong with you regardless. But, Why? Oh, you're, you're very, very forgetful. Short-term forgetful. Yeah. And long-term. Is that a worry? <laughs> it is a worry. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I must admit, it's been a bad couple of weeks. I can't remember stuff from, like, an hour ago. But this is what I mean. Like, we're not saying that you have had onset, you know, delayed <laughs> dementia or what's the other one they use, the other term? I don't know. Um, Alzheimer's. Then, yeah. But, yeah. I, anyway. think I, I think I'm okay. But, yeah, so I I really think that I'm strong, Harrison, more than ever to, to help save our game. I just think if you are susceptible, if you've had multiple concussions, please consider not playing our game anymore because our game is not is not going to be good for your long-term health. Is there anything wrong with saying that? I think it's not what they want to hear. No, but it's not. you're looking out for the interests I'm of I'm looking of after them. their yeah. health when they're 60 and 70, not when they're 30 and 40. Yeah. Right? And so I just think... It's it's just not good. We yeah, just you don't want to see it being bad when because 50, it's it's one of two things. We either we either continue to play players that are susceptible, and we have to change the rules completely. That is, you can't leave the ground at all to mark because your knee could contact the jaw. You can't Braden Maynard style jump in the air to smother a ball. You you you, you can't travel at a hundred miles an hour on the wing and collide with someone because that's how accidents happen on the field. Mm. And I don't want to see that. Yeah. And, well, yeah, shifting gears a little bit because that yep. was a little bit heavy. We're going to have a little bit of fun here. Mm. Um, oh. I haven't really worded you up on this too much, but mm. over the years, even before I was born into the family, so we're talking from probably 90 onwards, we've had a vast array of pets, whether they be cats, dogs, and beyond. We've had rabbits, birds. Horses, the works. Um, we haven't had a good run of luck. Remember, the, you're going to talk about the Electus parrot I had? Yep, the Electus. Yep. 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 So a lot of them, look, I think there's always a lot of issues that go on with goes on with pets. We haven't you had know. good luck with They're pets. not designed to live forever and they often get late in life and there's a lot of complications. And a lot of those complications are very expensive. 10 to 15 years. We're going to walk through all the pets that we've had yeah, or quick. at least you've had. Let's do this Let's, quickly. Yep. So the first pet that you and Tanya had yep. was a, a King Charles Spaniel, Strudel. Lovely. Love of my life. Tan and white. Um, yep. Until Hansel came along at least. Um, so Strudel was knocked up by Tanya's mum's dog, Strauss. Strauss, yeah. Got, got a litter of four. Strauss got at her. Yeah, yep. and they had a couple of litters, and you, we'll get to the next. That, yep. We'll get to the children that you kept those. Yep. But Strudel had dry eye. Oh yes, now dry eye for those that don't know is well, dry eyes. Uh, Strudel had two dry eyes. I went to the vet. The vet sent me to the specialist, and the specialist said it'll be three and a half thousand dollars per eye each. Seven thousand dollars because we're going to transplant the saliva glands from from inside your mouth. And we're going to implant them above your eyes where the eyelids are and stitch it all up. And when your dog smells food, that will water the eyes. Give the eyes some moisture. So we did that. <laughs> and our dog had moist eyes forever. That's incredible. Um, eventually, the dog did get diabetes, probably from... Just feet. probably sweet biscuits or sweet something. Sweet biscuits, yeah. Just, you know, they died drop, of natural causes. You, you drop them on the floor and they, they eat them. 
but had yeah dry eye. <laughs> yeah. um, one of um, Strudel's daughters was Strumpet. Yep. Who you who you kept for a while? Apparently died of a heart condition. This is before my time, yeah, by the way. Well, they, it's congenital in them. Uh, uh, King Charles's have a lot of heart issues. Yeah, and all these caveats. So Strudel had two litters, both of four. Every um, child it, of the dog had a name starting with S. Yes. Yeah, so yep. Stravinsky, uh, Stradivarius, um, Scarlet, Scarlet, Scarlet Strumpet, was with the second litter. Sasha, yep. um, Strudel. If I said that. Uh, uh, and you gave most of those away yeah, to family and they friends. They all started and with this. But anyway, moving on to the next chapter. Um, mm. So Ryan was born. Ryan had My a- My oldest son. Ryan, He's not a dog. Yeah, was born in 89. Yep. <laughs> He's not a dog. Um, he had a rabbit named Batman. Yep. And Bat- another one called E.T. Yeah, what happened to those two? Uh, both died. He found Batman dead under the floor. And I think E.T. got the Khaleesi virus. Didn't E.T. get choked out? Oh, yeah, he might have picked it up and choked it. Yeah, he did because he was only very young and he choked it to death. Yep. RSPCA are going to be onto us. Well, it was an accident. It was a little kid. He didn't know. Um, And then a little while later, sort of around the time I was born, so 95, we had Tessa. We moved from from the city, from Hawthorne out to St Andrews. Yep. Um, and we had Tessa. Border Collie. Yep, Border Collie. Ribbit, probably one of the best dogs we've Black had. Black and white Border Ripper. Yes. One, one day went hunting rabbits with the next door neighbour's um, Border Collie, Kaya. So we had to send yep. it to training camp. And got to attack the next door neighbour's sheep. And yep. I got, it got threatened to be shot. And it was a, v- a very loyal and um, very protective. I remember we used to run around the pool yeah. and Tessa would come up and bite us on the Achilles because it didn't want us jumping in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, incredible dog. Um, Going again, well with pet Again with the diabetes, um, feeding it too many chocolate te- teddy bear biscuits. We just gave them sweet biscuits. Yep. Yeah, so someone, we had, someone should have told we us. We were doing... Two injections a day to treat I, the diabetes. I was giving you this weren't dog and never, never two did injections it. a day, and it was blind near the end of its life. It was blind, and but it knew the farm so well, knew every little nook and cranny on the farm that most times, sixty-five percent of the time, it could run and not have any collisions. Getting around based on memory, muscle it. memory, just memory, and it was brilliant. But sometimes you'd hit the odd fence that yeah. I'd, I'd erected. And that dog that we mentioned before, the next door neighbours bought a collie, Kaya. We were house-sitting, or not house-sitting, dog-sitting for eight Next weeks. Next-door neighbours said, have it for eight weeks. We're going overseas. Would you mind having our border collar? Yes, that'll go well with ours. Three years later. We ended up moving house and the dog came with us. The dog came with us and we've still got Kai. I ended up having to ring uh, the curs and uh, let them know that their dog was still at our place. I think they'd forgotten about Kai, who wasn't an incredibly well-behaved dog. Um, along around about the same time, we got Molly, our first cat. Um, Molly was bought at a pet store in Russell Street in the Melbourne. Once went missing for six months. Tanya loved cats. Molly the- uh, had Molly for quite a few years, and all of a sudden disappeared. Six months. She was gone. We went away for the weekend. Yep. It was there. Then it was gone, and it, we thought, oh. Because it, well, it would go missing for a night or two every we've now and then. We've got a lot then. of wedge tail eagles, and I thought maybe a wedgie's come in, picked up the light cat and eaten it for dinner. It, anyway, six months, hadn't seen it. All of a sudden it arrives back one night, just strolls in like nothing had nothing happened. happened. Completely flea-ridden and looking really shocking. It just lived down the bloody river for six months. Where do you think, it, down do you the think river. it was doing? Down the river. I think it just went uh, feral for a while. Uh, we got another cat named Lulu, a tortoiseshell cat. Mum, when she was doing a bit of horse riding at the time, went to Woodend for a horse ride. I don't know what she does. Got a cat. And just came back with a cat. Yep. 
Lulu lasted a little while. She yeah. was good. Gone. Natural causes, normal death. Um, we had Max, who was the little Jack Russell, and yep. boy, was he jacked. He was the most muscular Jack Russell yep. you've ever seen. Had to get rid of him, too too, um, too aggressive. Gave him to my, the guy, uh, car, our carpet layer friend, we Jack We gave Harris. him to the carpet man, but yep. there was a lot of conjecture around. Nah, get rid of Apparently him. Apparently, he ate a rooster or killed yep. a rooster. He did. He killed the chooks. He was also once kicked in the face by a horse. Next one. <laughs> Are we moving on quickly? Yep. Gina. Gina wasn't our dog. It was no, our auntie's dog. We were babysitting dog. our auntie's dog. Um, she died Yeah. Um, while we were babysitting her. I don't know how. Well, I know how. So at um, dinner time, all the other dogs were rushing and Gina wasn't used to this and it was eating too quickly and it en- ended up getting a twisted bowel and that bowel got infected and then it died. That's the same week that Charlie, my horse, died from a uh, twisted bowel as well. Big black uh, horse that used to carry me. Bonnie. Bonnie was another Border Collie. Um, we picked her up at a dog show in Kilmore. Um, Come on, move it along. Bonnie pissed on me at, on the way home. We thought then it was probably had Time. a bit of a screw loose. Yep. We used to go down to Lawn and used to sit at the office and he used to get his numbers up or we used to refer he, it to him and get he his numbers. He would nip at everyone. Eventually Tanya ran over him. Next one. Yes. Well, let's give a bit of detail. bit of detail. Yeah. So we were, I think, getting picked up from school one day and Tanya stopped in the driveway to chat to you. I had the motorbike going. She couldn't hear the noise. She turned off the car. She started the car to drive again and the dog was lying under the wheel and uh, basically that was the end. It was horrible. That was not good. Not good. Um, Tinkerbell, Tinkerbell, who is, Feral cat. is still around. Feral cat. So mum found Tanya it. found it in the hay shed. Yep. And this went on for about two years. Yep. Mum used to go out there and feed, feed it, it yep. um, and nurture it. And it took a very long time for this cat to get trust in yep. Tanya. And then it eventually started moving closer and closer to the house, started living on the back porch, and then it progressed and progressed and ended up coming inside. It's a stinker of a cat. Yes. Well, now- um, Now we can't get rid of it. Well, you've spoken about this on Triple M earlier this year. Yep. So Tinkerbell T- is incontinent. Because she's riddled with arthritis and has an overactive thyroid, so she yeah. can't go to the toilet. So she just she only gets better when she has injections. It's yeah. time for her to go. Yeah, I think she's definitely on her last legs. But anyway, Tinkerbell had a couple of litters because she was a feral. The first litter we had Willis, um, who was one of the better pets we've had. We gave it away to Rocky, who lives in Thornbury. Yep. Move lasted, on. Harrison. Lasted three days in Thornbury and was r- ran over. Yep. Move so, on. Next one. T- Turtle. Yep. Another grey cat. Yep. Still with us. Good cat. You D- call him Tiger. You can pat him, but he will bite you. So it's Tinkerbell's son. Yep. Very much bashes his mum, Tinkerbell, and Hansel yep. a lot. Yep. But seemingly nothing wrong and still yep. with us. Uh, the next one, so we had Polly, the eclectus parrot. Yes. Now, uh, my son brought home uh, an Alaskan Malibu or something. Uh, not an Alaskan a Siberian Husky. A Siberian Husky, and he had to have this bloody Siberian Husky. Anyway, I had this brand new Electus parrot worth about two grand. It was friendly and it would talk and I had it. Anyway, I saw the uh, Malibu Husky with said, Siberian Husky. said Electus in its mouth and killed it, and I said to Jordan, I said, Jordan, that dog has got to be gone by lunchtime tomorrow. That dog was gone by lunchtime tomorrow, sold to someone in Adelaide. Haven't heard of it since, and that's a good thing. And after that, we were pretty traumatised by the pet thing. We didn't have a dog at this stage, so we had – Bonnie passed away eventually of um, the – the hip injury with mum. <laughs> yeah. But um, we had a break and then Hansel, the King Charles Cavalier, came along. Yeah, uh, Another pet that Jordan 
had to have. And so we're Jordan, fe- Jordan this one perfectly. Jordan demanded the dog. Yep. It was it was his present. Yep. So you and mum end up paying for it and it's Jordan's dog. Yep. And Jordan was living in Fitzroy with me at the time. Yep. He's going to look after it. Two months later, Jordan got a job as a FIFO miner in Perth. Yeah. Hasn't been back since. And no, now- It's my dog. And it's the and love of your life. Yes, it is. He's a beautifully natured dog. Yep. Um, sleeps in the laundry with the cats. Yep. Um, has severe separation anxiety, as we know. Follows yep. you around Has everywhere. a bad back because you ran over him yeah, early I on him. when he I was a him. puppy and hurt his spine and he's yeah. still having trouble with his spine. So you uh, you should be you should not be yeah, happy I wasn't, with I wasn't happy, but I didn't kill him. That was no. good. But yeah, there's plenty of other pets. There's horses. We've had yeah. sheep. We've had Rammy the sheep used to ram us in the sh- in the paddock. Lucky yep. the cow, remember died Lucky? Of, died of natural causes. Lucky, yep. Yeah, but yeah, just to summarise the that's, pets, what do you think of all that? That's just a few of the pets. Uh, there there have been others. Stradivarius, for instance, fell off the uh, first floor balcony and broke his leg. He was a uh, dog, um, <laughs> and he was in plaster for six months. But other than that, everything's going well. So if you want to have a pet babysat by us. Think twice. All right. Well, uh, Harrison, we've got a very important guest here. Now, you were just saying to me before that out of the guests that we've done and the people that you have met. We've only had three or four, but yeah. (laughs) Met on the back of being my son because you come everywhere. Very lucky. This is the guy that you're most nervous about. Yeah, I was only thinking earlier today. Really? Yeah, I'm I'm shitting myself, Mike. Why? Because – I'm a fan of Mike Sheehan, uh, by the way. Yeah, everybody. Mike Sheehan, big fan of Open Mike, and I yeah. love the show. And as lots of footy fans do around Australia, but you're so good at what we're about to do with you, yeah. it made me quite intimidated. <laughs> yeah, but in- I'm not sure how good I am when I'm answering the questions. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. we're flipping the tables. Yeah, it's great to have you, Mike. Thank you. Thanks, for coming Harrison. On. Fifty years BT. of uh, fifty years of journalism. Great to have you here, Mike. What have you come up and given us a day from Sorrento? You're no, no, fairly no, thick I, down there now. You're no, the no. Uh, king of Sorrento. That's but- a myth. But no, it's not a myth. No, I'm, the dark the, side. I'm the mayor of Albert Park. I'll <laughs> own up to that. I spend probably eighty percent of my time there, and slip down to Sorrento for the weekend. What do you do down there? Are you involved with the footy club down there or anything? Um, not really. Mm. I've got to, uh, occasionally I'll be involved in one of the functions before a game. Yep. You know when they have. I've interviewed Sam there at their pre-match. I've heard lunches. it's one of the most successful sort of lunches for a small Amazing. club. Amazing. Yeah. Probably 140, 150. If that's the capacity. Uh, it's almost always um, at capacity. Right, uh, hundred bucks a head. Yeah, food's good, entertainment's good. Mm. Have some good guests it's there. Great. It's great. Lots of these little places have these luncheons, which you and I have experienced around the place, Harrison. Mm. So, yeah. what is the mayor of Albert Park? What's on the agenda <laughs> items at I'm the committee really meetings? The, I'm not really the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Are, you I just, dun, are you a Dundas and Fawcett operator? Or yeah, yeah, I am. That's one yeah. of my offices. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of many. Who do you see in Albert Park? There's so many people that live in Albert Park. Yeah, there that are. you and I know. Well, the, the the regular one is Friday coffee at 10 a.m. Let me guess. That would you would see Wayne Carey there? No, no, no. Oh. I'm not all that close to the duck. All right. I see uh, the, the Friday group is uh, Gubby Allen, yeah, Jeff Walsh, yes, Rocket, Rocket Ead. Oh, it's a high powered. Scotty Clayton, high powered. Uh, Stephen Goff's quite regular, the former MCC um, CEO. Um, Stephen Silvani comes quite a bit. So, what, what do you what do you talk about? What do you think? Well, footy. But, but it's not pure, it's not footy as in a tactical discussion. It's to the bigger picture, is it? Well, no, no. Have you it's discussed? Go- it's gossip. Right. We just like we so just like half a dozen. I'm really keen to know about this because you go down there with those really high powered people. Do you wish sometimes coming away from that coffee yep. that you were still a journo? Yeah, yeah. Of course so I do. Good. Yeah. Right. 
It's that good. It's that well, good. Do people have to say off the record still with you? No. Or, no, no, no. Well, I've got nowhere to put it anyway yeah. because I'm finished in all the mediums, um, newspapers, radio and TV. I mean, I have an occasional appearance, um, say, with SEN or yeah. Uh, you, you like would that. have been twenty plus years with with the top of those, you know, the Herald Sun, 50 Fox Forty years. I mean, I mean, as the the Mate, chief, you've been of, reading too much Wikipedia. This man has been <laughs> at the top for fifty years. Well, is it, is it fifty? No, and no, a bit? It's not, no, it's not fifty. But my first time as chief football writer was at the Herald. Yeah. When uh, BT will know that eighteen uh, when, years when Alf there. Brown yep. left. So let's do some maths. What year was that? Now I went. I was, was in the eighties. I was at the age, and I went to the Herald in nineteen seventy nine because Alf Brown was retiring. Okay. Alf Brown was the right. legendary football. So Harrison, put in context, the same year that I arrived in Melbourne, he's taken on the chief writer of the Herald Sun. Actually, I saw your father play his first game. Yeah, who do I play he had on? The, he had the misfort- yeah, he had the yeah. misfortune to play on Bruce Duell. Uh, <laughs> we spoke to- about this, <laughs> and, and there were no subs in those days, so he had, he had three quarters of torture. You are left out there to I die. Can't believe you remember that? That's incredible. Yeah, <laughs> well, because he, he had quite a big name when he came. Across. Mervyn Kane, the triple premiership player yeah. for Richmond, said to me as I'm about to run out, Brian, this will be the greatest day in your life. Mm. I went out there and come off, and it was the worst day <laughs> in my life playing on Bruce. How Dool. many uh, touches? I had one handball and one kick. Mm. Mm. It I wasn't a great that, day. You know the Juno uh, principle: you never ask a question you don't know the answer <laughs> yeah, to. That's right. You <laughs> was testing me out. That is for sure. So yes. fifty years. So, so which of the mediums you've done them all? Yeah, including the electronics. Which one appealed to you most? Do you reckon? I think. I mean, I love my time at the Herald and newspapers because I think I'm basically a newspaper man. But my favourite show and the most rewarding was the one Harrison referred to before in Open Mic. Right. I mean, I love doing that because it was, and without being vain, I think we took interviews of football people to another level yes. in terms of how intrusive or invasive that I was. Yeah. Um, but I picked the subjects, I did the questions, and I did the interviews. So. It was which was the one you enjoyed the most out of all? Oh, can you come on? You can narrow it well, down because well, I'm going to ask you which is the one you didn't enjoy as yeah. well. But which is the one you enjoyed? Well, I did 230 odd. Oh, okay. So, um, and I had blokes like you who came on and didn't want to be there. Um, <laughs> you, I remember he didn't. No, I'm glad no, I was in no. your top 230. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't want to be there. No. And there was a deal done between Seven and Fox, uh, and I wanted to do him. So um, he reluctantly agreed because the no, two very channels. Happy. Very happy. Is that right? No, I'm very we, happy to do it. The other intro that was funny was um, on the same theme was David Parkin, who I um, fretched, if that's the right word, a lot of times over my career and his. And he's sitting there in, in front of, in the chair just before the light goes on. And I looked at him and I thought he's not really comfortable. I said, wow. I said, David, this is the intro. I said, David, you don't want to be here much, do you? He said, no, not really. And we spoke for an it's hour a, and a quarter. It's a perfect start. <laughs> How did you, we should have started your, with that. What was, your, <laughs> what was your tactic to open him up? Do you remember? Um, I think speak? I threw that at him about this place. Well, you don't want to be here, do you? Right. Uh, and then we want, because fundamentally we get on quite well, but you know how precious, they call me precious. Yeah. Parko's the same. Did, did most of them say to you now, listen, Mike, don't go here or you can go no. anywhere. What was the mm-hmm. attitude? My um, edict was if you agree to come on, you open yourself up to 
Thank any you. of the questions that I want to ask. And the one time I went too far and wouldn't have done it again, my time over again, was with Des Tudnam. Um, and I asked him yeah, about Yeah, I remember that yeah. one. I, yeah. A lot of the interviews were very raw. I think yeah, that's what you mean by it was different and you could go anywhere. Yes. It was You but had Des, a lot of raw reactions. But Harrison Desi's was touching on another level. Yeah, I don't yeah. recall that yeah. one. And that wasn't, that wasn't sort of personal. Well, it was personal drama, but it wasn't. I mean, I remember talking to tough footballers about losing um, their children and, um, you know, and Alan Stoneham. Do you remember the Alan Stoneham interview? Yes, I do. And he talked about yes. he talked about his, his son, son yeah. murdering his, his his then girlfriend. Yeah, and, I mean stuff like that. It was, oh, that, that was, was compelling, wasn't uh, it? Peter Swab about losing his little girl yeah. to brain cancer. So, did you feel that you were putting these away for history as well? No, no, but but I think but that, they will be. Yes, and yeah. they should be. But yeah. no, no, I I think if I I try to put myself in the position that I'm at home and I love my football and I know about whoever, say Johnny Smith and how he plays and where he plays and what he's done. I want to know more. I want to know about the bloke Monday to Friday. Mm. I remember vividly the Mark Jackson interview. Mark mm. Jacko Jackson, for all those young kids out there that wouldn't have seen play, was just an absolute maniac. He said things like, to you personally, you're a pollutant, you're a toilet-trained, AFL-trained jerk media journalist. Mm. He really got into it. It was incredibly uncomfortable but compelling yeah. to interview. That, what were you thinking when – because he just – he was there for different reasons. Yeah, he was. Were, were you going to say something there? Yeah, he yeah. also referred to you as a pubic hair just on the, on the yeah. back of that quote. Don't make Mike feel any worse than he already <laughs> no, is. No, no, but I, that's how they opened the interview. That's the first thing he said. I watched it yesterday. Was it the first thing he said, was it? Pretty much, yeah. God, I know he disgusting. said, didn't he say in that that he hoped he, I died? Yes, yeah, he yeah. did. I hope you get cancer. cancer. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was shocked when he said that. And and, and uh, Stephen Quartermain was one. So I said, oh, I was all set up and it was just a publicity stunt and all that jazz. It wasn't. wasn't. Not at all. No, no. I mean, we didn't, we didn't like each other, Jackson and me, yeah. but – the channel wanted me to do him because it was themed week from the 80s, I think. Right. I think and they wanted Jackson to do it. Yeah. And I said I didn't want to do it. And they sort of leant on me and said, well, we'd like you to do it. So we, so I did it. Um, and it was really confronting. It was just – Yeah, uh, it was – oh, I just remember sitting there and thinking I just wanted to – just wanted to get at him because I just thought it was totally – Unacceptable behaviour, yeah. almost. It was poor form. Even yeah. if he if he didn't like me, he should have said, "Well, I'm not going to take the money that Fox have offered me." Yeah. He was one of the very, very few who got money. Oh, really? And say, uh, "No, I don't like him. I'm not going to go on." Once he committed to go on, I think he should have been a bit uh, better mannered than he was. Yeah. But but I know Paul Roos said to me that they, I think Melbourne had him booked for a function, and Roosie told me, told me uh, specifically, rang me to say that uh, he, he told Melbourne yeah. to cancel it. And I had, I think, 170 or 180 text messages in the next two or three days from people. Now, these without this is not name dropping for me, but this is just how the world was offended. Wayne Carey, Michael Voss, Dennis Banks, off the top of my head, that just all joined and sort of said uh, how. And there were quadruple that many that were sitting at home that didn't text you. Yeah, sure. That were feeling the yeah, same way. Yeah, yeah. Was that behaviour for him on the show, was that normal? Because I don't know. Like obviously I've seen the highlights yes. of him on the field. Was he actually that crazy as he yeah. seemed in that I, interview? I would say he was. I played with him at Richmond and yeah. I always thought he was okay. pretty. Well, you'd know him better than I would. He, he was. I thought he was more zany than nasty. Yeah. But, but I mean, I, too, and the this nasty is, came later in his okay. career, I think. But I, I actually uh, had some good stuff on him. I mean, he he was more violent and uh, 
uh, more aggressive in the way that he delivered it. But I was asking him things and reminding the public that he did things like um, put a lit cigarette in Lindsay Fox's coat pocket. Yeah. He put a brick under Trevor Barker's brake pedal. Uh, he and his brother used to set up a deal where they'd steal footballs at training. Jackson would deliberately kick them kick over them the fence. The yeah. yeah, all so all that sort of stuff. That yeah, was at St Kilda when that happened. St Kilda. And the and the the ultimate one, the ultimate one that no one else in football could abide. Uh, he had a fight with Robert Flower, and you just can't do that. Robert mm. Flower's mother Teresa. I mean, every Blake said every football club rated him, didn't they? Mm. Before he came, oh no, it might have been after Harrison. He played a, a short time for South Fremantle in the Waffle, and Mel Brown was the coach mm. at that particular time. Mike knows Mel well, um, also a fellow Sorrento colleague. Um, <laughs> colleague, and he put he put Morris Rioli, who was at South Fremantle at the same time. They were having a blue. He said, "Right, are you guys both here in the ring? Put them in the ring." And Morris Rioli was fists of fury like you've never seen before, golden gloves boxer, mm. absolutely belting. Him. Yeah, yeah. towed him up. Yeah, yeah. And, we were, and we were all voting for Morris. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon he's probably been on the end uh, of the Yes, half time in this episode of The Life of Brian. Now, I'd like to give this message. I'd like the opportunity to talk about our great friends at Grimley's, the number one source for fasteners and construction supplies in Melbourne. If you're on a construction site and need product urgently, then you can count on Grimley's Direct. Getting your orders to you on time, every time at speed with our fleet of Grimley's vans and trucks direct from us to you. It's that simple. Grimley's has been in the game for more than 30 years, earning a reputation built on grit, determination, and a focus on delivering the best sourced fasteners and construction supplies with a whatever-it-takes type attitude. Uh, whether it's a large commercial job, a small domestic little project, hardworking tradies need the right products at the right time. Grimley goes above and beyond to deliver on the details. Grimley's always aims for the best solutions to your products. Go to grimleys.com.au for delivery that you can count on. So, so that, that's the electronic, but I'm really interested in the the Herald, the age, the Herald Sun, and the papers you work for because I just can't imagine the grind or, and the ability to have to come up with every day mm. or every second day tough. new stuff that we yeah. haven't read. I went to the the, uh, the Herald, which was the afternoon broadsheet. It's no longer in existence, but it was uh, there was the Age and the Sun. And, and the Afternoon Herald, and I went there when Alf Brown left, and that was 1980, and that was tough. Like, at work at seven, first edition deadline was probably about quarter to ten. Um, it was just adrenaline rush for about four or five yeah. hours. So um, what are you are – you, are you waiting for people to ring? Are you ringing them? No. I mean, you were senior, so I would imagine if I was predicting what happens in your world when you're at your peak, I would say you would be fielding phone calls from all sorts of people telling you stuff. Oh, that's we would like to think that. No, I don't. No. There are some. I mean, there are some people who, who, um, who trust the journo, but not many people ring up and say, "I've got this gift wrap back page lead for you." I mean, they're there at their phone. If you ring and sort of say, "Look, right. I hear that BT wants to go to Collingwood," say something like yeah. that. Um, can, can, you rem- can you remember a big story that you broke? Like there were oh, hundreds yeah. of them, but I'm saying can you remember one that was particularly rewarding or hard? Or I, I remember one unusual? that I still think this is probably the biggest story that I had my name attached to. It was 1982, I reckon, early 80s. And I don't know where it started, but I know who the, the players along the way. The story was that um, Kelvin Templeton, Footscray captain and Brownlow medalist, and Peter Moore, 
Collingwood captain and Brownlow medalist were for sale for a million bucks. Now you put that in the you think of that now. That's Bonham Pally and Darcy Moore. Bonham Pally and Darcy Moore for sale in a package deal. And it happened. And I remember I so had that for context, good players in that period, Harrison, getting probably sixty, seventy thousand dollars mm. max. Mm. So I had that story for a fortnight and I thought it just can't it just can't be true. I mean it can't possibly happen. And the people that I talked to said it, it's possible to happen and it will happen. And it did happen. Do you, do you remember it? I, I don't remember the money amount. No. Was there I, a salary cap or like no, how do they do no, that? Was it just all no. like his So if you if you paid them enough, amount. which Melbourne was prepared to do, um, and I mean this this is you younger people like you will sort of think, well that's what you do now, you target players and you go and get them. But these are two captains and two Brownlow medalists. Uh both went to the same club. Hmm. And, and that was because of contacts, obviously. So they both ended up at Melbourne, Harrison. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's pretty amazing. Isn't yeah, it, it is. Jeez. So that was. Uh, That's the only full forward, really, that Melbourne have ever had. Isn't yeah, because you wouldn't call David Neitz a full forward? No, probably more centre half, wasn't yeah. he? Maybe late he was, but. He would have kicked 400 odd goals. Yeah, but he? I reckon yeah. he was more centre half up the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But I suppose, and the other one that's. Um, you'd certainly relate to. In the space of 48 hours, um, Tommy got the sack and Royce got the sack. Royce was sacked by Footscray yeah. and Tommy was sacked by Collingwood. Jeez, and I wrote both those stories in f- within 48 hours. Right. And that's So before anyone knows, has public knowledge of this, you've written the story. Yeah. Yeah, that so it's were, brand new to everyone. Yeah, when they and that, I mean, that's the adrenaline rush. That's yeah. when you get this mess. It's like... BT kicking six or eight goals in a game. You just you get it and you just feel that's what you do. That's my football feel. Does the boss come down and tap you on the back and say well done or does he shout yeah. you a beer or – No, no. Well, I, I remember the um, the Royce one. This is an interesting so this is exercise Royce in, the, yep. in the mechanics of how newspapers work. Um, it was about quarter to nine and a friend of mine worked at Footscray and he said um, – Royce is gone. I said, well, you know, Royce is gone. <laughs> it's a pretty big, big story. Big story. Right? He said, leave it with you. That's all. Right. So then in other words, you follow up. You, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll set, you, uh, set your path. You see where you can take it. <laughs> it's about quarter to nine. So at 11 o'clock, it's on the front page of the Herald, right? <laughs> right. Quarter amazing. to 12, we're walking up to Chinatown. With a bunch of heralds oh. under my <laughs> giving them to anyone who was in the vicinity, and I found out later Peter Simonovich, who you yes, knew, yes, worked at the Sun at Great the time. Great journo, yeah. So it was the morning. So the night before, he rang Footscray during a committee meeting and said, "I believe you've sacked Royce Hart." And my man said, "No, that's not right." Wow. And he said later, in all con- his conscience was clear, he said, because they hadn't. They were going to, but they, they hadn't. They hadn't discussed it at that stage. Well, they, but they it, was, it. it was going to happen, but it right. wasn't formalised. Right. And so uh, the next morning um, I got the story. This was the thing I remember about journalists in this 80s, 90s period was that Harrison, even when I played my first game, somehow these guys knew about it before I knew about it. It, it was always the... Media and the press, particularly, particularly the written stuff. Somehow, the journo's knew about everything. Mm. You were the if you were the centre of that story, 
you would often be the last person to find out about it. It was staggering. And it <laughs> says to me that the administrators were were very gettable well, in those days. Well, I mean, <laughs> they weren't gettable in terms of greasing their palm. No, but uh, in terms but, of... But they would have had something to gain out of it. By giving you information, they would... Therefore, a, receive something in return. It is a good because that uh, happens a lot now. It does, but but it was more that it's more the good bloke card. I mean, they liked c- certain people. Yeah, and I think and they can right. trust you to write the yes, right thing. Yeah, and yeah. I think they they sort of say, well, it's going to get out, um, and say I, I like whomever, and I might give them a, just to give them a head start, yeah. and they can get it from there. I rang I rang Ronnie Joseph one morning. Ron Joseph was the CEO of North Melbourne. And one said, of the great administrators yeah. of the game. And uh, said, I believe you sacked the coach. And he said, no, that's not right. This is about 8.30 in the morning. No, it's not right. An hour later, we get a message comes through. Uh, North Melbourne called a press conference for uh, for 11 o'clock they knew you to announce the sacking of the coach. So, so you're in a cop that well? Yeah, no. So I'm asking, so when you get put off like that, when you think you've got a story and the CEO categorically says mm-hmm. to you, no, that's not right, it must be difficult to keep ploughing ahead on the same story. Well, it is. Well, particularly Ronnie and I were quite friendly, so I would have thought, I would have hoped, brackets thought that he wouldn't lie to me. But then, in the cold light of day, you say, "Well, his primary interest is the football club, not furnishing me a story." Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, administrators. I mean, Graham Richmond was the one that everyone talks about at Richmond at the time. Do you have much to do with him? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was he like to deal with? Was he as fearsome and as brutal as made out? Not not to the media people because he was an educated, articulate bloke, Graham Richmond, mm-hmm. uh, ruthless in his football dealings, had his flaws too, BT. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they'll have a, a statue for GR at Punt Road, uh, but he made some blues. Yeah. In fact, he was the man who um, uh, brought... John Petura to Punt Road yep. at the expense of Whale Roberts, Graham T. Stalin Francis Jackson. Wow. And he was the man who got involved with the Richmond Collingwood Blue. You remember yep. that? Yeah, I do. And, and, I and do. Richmond and Collingwood were just pinching each other's players. Yeah. Blokes were getting four times as much as they deserved because these headstrong officials said, well, they're not going to win this fight. I'm going to win it. That's right, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that, that is 100% right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's probably still cost Jeff Raines his place in the Hall of Fame, which is a a disgrace. He should be in, shouldn't he? Of course he should. A triple best and fairest player. Yeah. Best player in a premiership team in 1980. Best sentiment I've seen oh. for years. Oh, it's staggering that um, that he's not in the Hall of Fame. Well, why is he not in? Because well, I think people... Because he shifted to another club. I think people think he, he was mercenary. But but plenty of blokes were keen on the dollar, weren't mm. they? Mm. And and you're not judged on that anyway. Yeah. You're judged on how you, you play, play, aren't you? Yeah, yeah surely. Surely. Talking of um, print media and obviously the Herald Sun, the, the top 50s that you used to do, yeah. how did you go about um, conducting those or putting those together? Was it a gut feel thing or were you, you know, analysing data or like how did, like, <laughs> how did that come about? I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> well, it just sort of – Was it you or were there other people helping you? Was it just your your 50? Brian. No, what, what I meant by that, were there other master. people Harrison helping asked a lot better it. questions than you do. What I meant he was, would be disgusted if you were looking at data and stuff like yeah. that. I'm sure. No, he's I'm not massive on. Uh, I mean, he should know the answer. To that I'm not massive on um, stats, and my my principal interest was what happened inside the fence. I love the way the game was played by the best players in the land and stuff like that. 
and I like the. I mean, you probably don't know this, but I was pretty happy with my own opinion. I was prepared to <laughs> to uh, to put it down on paper. Um, but would, would you start saying like, okay, these are my top five, yeah. or would you work backwards? Would you? No, it's from the top. Yeah, from the top. Uh, yeah. and, and every year, I did it for probably I don't know twenty odd years. Every year, there were five blokes that I just had to get in, couldn't get in. Yeah, because you, know, you run out of spots. Out of the years and doing your top fifty, and repeatedly doing it, not 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 looking back historically, but looking from year to year, who was the one that featured most in the top three? Um, I don't know. I would suspect that Vossi was in. I love Voss. Yeah. Uh, so I suspect he's in that mix. Um, Carey. Yeah, Duck. Well, yeah, he, yeah, Duck's the best player I've seen. Right. So he's categorically your best, subjective. Yeah. <laughs> well, you uh, are good friends with Lee Matthews, yeah, and whenever you say that uh, Wayne uh, Carey is the best, don't say something you regret. I reckon the hairs on <laughs> Lee's neck stand up. Look, we have discussed that, <laughs> <laughs> but the great, the comfort for me is when Lee Matthews is asked the best, who's the best player he's seen. I think he's tempted to say Lee Matthews. Yes. But, but he says Wayne Carey. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Well, see, I'm too young to have seen Wayne Carey in his prime, but I mm. hear everyone who's watched him say a similar thing. Him or Gary Ablett Sr., a lot of people well, say. Well, Wayne Carey was incredibly consistent as yes, well. That was, and, he, yeah. And, yeah. And, and Gary Ablett wasn't necessarily consistent. As brilliant, but not as consistent. Well, he was more brilliant, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wayne Carey was, was unbelievable, Harrison. He... He would take any game. In fact, the bigger the game was, he would take it by the scruff of the neck and actually win it for his side. Well, the the, the best um, metaphor I can give you for that it was like Wayne Carey was in grade six at primary school, and he just and he went over to where the grade two kids were playing and just, yeah. uh, yeah. just <laughs> dominated. Yeah, just, Mark us up. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'll, I'll tell you a story, an uh, interesting story from Dennis Pagan about Wayne Carey. Yeah, go on. I used to live over the road at the MC, from the MCG, literally over the road. So the scores come on the radio, Fremantle in front of North on a Sunday at the MCG. And North were good. Yeah. I thought, geez, that Fremantle's in front. Kerry's playing centre-half back. All right? So I go over, watch the game. Kerry kicks five goals in the second half. North win by about 50 points. Coming after the game and Dennis goes up to Duck and he says, he, called, he used to call him champ, champ. If I ever play your chin half back again, punch me in the nose. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was he was great. Was there? Any- yeah, speaking about players and um, sort of going across generations, do you think the forwards like Brian from the eighties and nineties? Do you reckon they not just not just me, but Lockett and yeah. all of these guys, Dunstall and the all ones that would kick a hundred kickbags? Do you reckon they could kick a hundred in today's game? No. Oh, Not, that's bullshit. Uh, I, I'll tell you I, what. I thought Harrison was asking me the question. <laughs> well, well, you give a very good answer because I've got a very good follow-up and that would scare you a bit. How do you know it's a good follow-up? We'll be the judge of I that. I know. Go on then. Go, give well, your answer. My view is when these blokes were playing full forward, basically they played on their opponent because that's how the game was one played on then. Yeah. I mean, how they let Kerry um, and Hudson and those blokes play one out was just staggering. But they wouldn't allow it these days. They have five I, was only, I was only listening to Wayne Carey the other day and he was talking about this. He said, don't worry, when Lockett was playing full forward, the the, the fullback was playing on him 
Yeah. The guys in the back pocket, the resting Ruckman in the back pocket, he was playing inside his man. The halfback flankers were playing inside their man on the on, on the corridor side of their man, so they could all drop into that space where the ball oh, was yeah. going to be. Yeah, they dropped into that space. Uh, Lockett was playing on five other people at I the feel time. Like if they dropped into that space, they'd all be dead now. That's what the duck says. Yeah. Well, you believe that? He believes everything the duck says. Don't what, I, what I'm <laughs> what I'm going to tell you is, the question was. Could the forwards of the 80s and 90s get a game today? No, no, it wasn't get a game. I didn't, that wasn't, no, kick 100. Yeah, kick 100. Well, that's get a game. Oh, is it really? Play is well. It? Get a game. Get I'll, a game. Tell you, I'll tell you why. And this is where guys like particularly you, Harrison, yep. and your age group forget very, very quickly. And he's Mike, got a vendetta against millennials, Mike, Mike. Perhaps because he's a bit older, has forgotten as well. But I'll say this. All of those superstars that were brought to clubs in the 80s, like Dunstall and Lockett and all of those guys, all had natural football ability, right? That's number one. Number two, they were they were barely professional. They were amateur, slightly professional. They were training in the afternoon after they finished work. And so were their opponents. Yeah, and so were their opponents. Yeah. My point being today Great point, Mike. <laughs> they're fully professional and training all day and every day and get whatever they need to get better. I put it to you and you, Mike Sheehan, that if those guys were training in their current environment, myself included, we would be forced to conform fitness, skills, everything, and we would simply get better and fit into the game like no other because we would be trained the same way that fully professional athletes are trained today. So with the blokes who are playing on you. Yes, that's right. And, but I'm saying everyone. And that's rubbish That's why about you don't compare eras. I, I don't care. Are you sure Duck said what you claimed he said? Bloody oath he that did. Was a, Plugger was brilliant at leading, wasn't he? He read it, knew yep. where it was going. But he didn't have 10 blokes in front of him. How would you be playing full forward for Melbourne last uh, last uh, uh, Mike, week against Collingwood? What, is, what was the most common thing of the 70s and 80s for the Ruckman to do when they played? What did they do? What did Gary Dempsey do? He went to sit half back. No, he sat a kick behind the I'm plate. Just saying, well, can you let me finish the answer? All right. He went to half back and took 15 marks a week. That's the right in front of where the forward wants to lead. No, he's the forward's 40, 40 yards further back. Please. Scotty, how good's this? We've got box seats to two of the <laughs> best in the business arguing about. <laughs> are, you, are you seriously saying, look, you know who's. What a- I am saying is players of yesteryear. Yep. Most could play today if trained the same um, way. We're not talking about whether they could play today. Of course they could play today. Yeah. I mean, Lockett and Dunstall and, and Quinlan. Well, that was the question. Uh, no, it wasn't. Uh, nobody How gives a shit question? about my opinion, but I don't reckon no, they could kick 100 question. today because, because of the game style at the moment, oh. probably. I think. But anyway. I, I, Did you kick 100? Uh, you know I did because, yeah, you, yeah. because you asked me to ask are, you. Are you telling me that uh, someone like you know Lockett today wouldn't kick a hundred? I mean the forwards today, even Charlie Kernow, seventy-five goals. Charlie Kernow is more of a centre-half forward yeah. than he is a full forward. Mm. He's a runner. He's mm. a mover. Yes. He um, he's having to play that role at the moment. Has had to play that role. One number one coming back from injury, and number two because Carlton have been. Not very good in that area, so he's he's been there to help. But you know, I've got no doubt that the players of that ilk could kick a hundred goals in today's footy. While we're on the topic of sort of boomer versus millennial, I think we've hit a real court here. I want to ask you about the way my generation, or at least people nowadays, consume media and consume content. Obviously, it's changed a lot. Like 
to be honest, I wouldn't have bought a newspaper in I can't remember mm. how long. Yeah, it's gone I a lot read more it digital. Every day. Exactly. I'm sad about that. Yeah. No, no, it's not reflected. My kids, my grandkids don't. My own kids don't. I, it's just, I mean, not only I think you should, I find it a great pleasure. I love sitting down yeah, with a so paper. Yeah, so do I. It's great. Turning the pages. Yep. Uh, spending a couple of hours poring over what's in the newspaper, but but we're from a different era. You guys don't because you've got social media. It, it, exactly right. We, yeah, so, we consume it more. So what in a is different it about form. you, Mike? And I want to read the the guts of the story and everyone associated and every detail. You just you just want to read the headline because that's all you get on social media. Well, yeah, I, I've, I've something definitely against headline. Like a lot of you see on articles online is pretty much just a headline to create clicks mm. for you to click onto it. And the the story the is totally is different than yeah. the headline. The headline's just made up. What do you think no, about that, no, Mike? No, no, I don't accept that. No, I don't accept. <laughs> no, you're you, not working for anyone no, anymore. No, no, but I, I <laughs> you mean, used to make headlines up. <laughs> you did. Oh, did I? Yeah. Well, the funny thing that, is, that, you Brian, know, that's the thing that annoyed players the most I was see. were the headlines. Uh, okay, well, we didn't make them up. In fact, who we, made them we up? We didn't put we didn't put the headings on stories. Well, who I does, know that who sounds does weird. the headings the on stories? A group called sub editors do that. So you give them the raw story with yep. the words, yep. and they try and create a heading Correct. out of roughly what it's but saying. But they don't make it up. They don't sit there and sort of say. Of course they make I mean, it up. what I mean is they take it out of context to create more interest in going into yeah, it. The, the banners used to sell newspapers out the front of the newspaper. Yeah, right. Remember, yeah. um, you know, Taylor. Asshole. Taylor in trouble again. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, now, something, can I just yeah, stay yeah. on that and talking about the media coverage today? What do you think players think of um, Kane Corns? Mm. Per- my personal thoughts is I, I I like what he says. Me too. Um, and I agree with a lot of what he says mm-hmm. and I like the – the approach and the aggressive nature of what he does and he, he tries to support it with all the facts he can, what do the players think of it? They would hate it. But, you know, when I was playing, I hated it too. I thought players didn't read the papers. Yeah, they, don't <laughs> worry about that. I hated it too, but about five years into my career, I learned that you've got to get on with these guys because while they can hurt you sometimes, they can help you other times. Was I your favourite? Uh you were one of them. John Anderson was another. Yeah, well, he's a good mate of yours, isn't he? Yeah, right? and there's been I wasn't others. one of your favourites. Um, no, you were. You were. You were grumpy. Well, you still... I got to know you better after I finished playing through the through the media, like yep. working at yep. AW with you. Yeah, I, I was sort of your boss at AW, was I? <laughs> <laughs> Is that where you first worked together, uh... AW? So. Did you work at you worked at Fox, didn't you? Yeah, I worked at Fox, but I think uh, oh no, Fox came before AW. Mm. Yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what do you think of your I mean when he's doing roaming Brian? What and you? Well, what do you think it? of it? I asked. Go on, go on, answer. Do you want me to go? Yeah, I yeah. actually really enjoy it. I think it's given us a totally different look at something that we had never exposed to as viewers. Um, he often explains it as he used to get the interviews. In the change rooms after the, and there's a banner in the background, and it's all sponsors, and it's, you know, it's down the line, three questions, mm. same answers, how'd you go today? The, the best part about it isn't the interviews with the players, actually. It's about the pitches and the random that you get from the crowd that really, you might not get it all the time, you might get two out of 10, but the interview with some little kid or 
some you know mum who's really passionate about her son, like that or, type or of thing. the wrong girlfriend or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Like that. That's <laughs> the stuff. Or that the I wrong like. name for the player. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. What yeah. do you think about? No, it, I like it. I'm, I'm, I'm a supporter. Yeah. What 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 tickles your fancy about? Well, this? a bit of what what Harrison's saying. I think that's and that's one of the reasons I like Cane Corns. Hmm. Take us to places that we don't yeah. normally go to. Kane's good. I like him. I was watching him again the other night on the, on the show that he does and the Sunday footy show that he does, and I I think he's good. I, like yeah. his old man Graham Corns was a little bit like that yeah. too, wasn't he? Yeah, you knew and, him and well. Corns he doesn't play favourites, does he? No, he's prepared to whack him. Yeah, he is. He no, is. I'm I'm like him. He's very confident now. Isn't he? Do you think he can survive with that with that technique and tactic? Yep. Yeah. Yep. You don't think going too hard too early is an issue? Well, it's not too early anymore, is it? No. Well, he's he's been in the media what three years, is he? Yeah, probably. And, and what he does is it, it's not just a a pot shot. I mean, he, he backs it up. Yeah. But yeah, I love the way that he's. I think sometimes he's a bit harsh, but that I he talked about Finless and Jeremy Finless the other night. Yeah. I mean, that was a big whack. I mean, yeah, it players was. players hate that. And you know, that. when you look at the stats and you look at, I went back and watched that game today, and I went, yeah. he's probably right. But but don't, that's the worst thing. Players yeah. can have a bad day, can't they? Mm, yep. You know, he's like his hands weren't good or something, whatever, yeah. or he kicked badly. But yeah. you say a bloke's not not having a crack. Yeah, they I don't know. like that's that, do they? Thing. Caroline Wilson, you get on with Caro. Yeah, you've worked yeah. side by side with Caro. I've known Caro since she was seventeen. So have I. When yeah. because Ian Wilson, uh, her uh, dad, Richmond, brought me yeah, out to Richmond. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we had a blues. We, our relationship was tested when we were both. Uh, at opposition papers, I was at the Herald and she was at the Age. Yeah. Is there that rivalry? Oh shit! Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, there is, and there should be. Um, but she's good. She, and, she, and she's tough. She's tough as. Yeah, and she, she is. Mike, I remember in the AW, we, we were doing a game. We were doing a pre-game at the MCG. You probably would have been there. Caro was on as well, and I remember Caro walked out of the. Um, the commentary box to go and get a drink or a coffee or something, and she left her phone on the on the on the bench, mm. and you know so it just was continually vibrating because people ring you and the names that were coming up on that phone. She had like you the best connections. So when when I hear Caro talk about something and say something, I always remember that phone mm. ringing and going. I know she's spoken to the people involved yeah, in this. Yeah, she does. She's got to she be works pretty close. I, I, I nominated her. No, I didn't nominate her. I, I had to present her Melbourne Press Club Life Membership Award about two or three years ago. Um, and, and I thought, I'm not just going to wheel out the platitudes here. I'm going to give my honest assessment of, of Caroline Wilson, the journalist. Mm-hmm. And I said um, about she spends, she chops people up in winter Unmercifully, sometimes, and then sp- spend summer stitching them up so she can so she can do it all <laughs> do again it the again. next year. And she does, doesn't she? She does it well. She does it well. She if she says something, Harrison, it's it's normally got a bit of backing, a degree of accuracy about it. Mm. I reckon. And yeah. sometimes it, things in football aren't what they seem. So you can be told a story one day, Mike. Correct me if I'm wrong. You'd know this better than I do. But you can be told a one sto- a story one day that ends up not coming to fruition the next because circumstances change Correct. in the hours in between. Well, there's a recent example of that and it involves Eddie. Eddie declared on uh, Footy Classified that Adam Simpson was gone. Yeah. I mean, you obviously watch all these shows. Do you remember that? I'm yeah. actually not I that big of a Footy that night. Night. Okay. I don't watch it that much. I was watching yeah. that, didn't you? Yeah. Yep, you did. And then three weeks later he said, 
oh, yes, look, I still think he's gone unless there's some late development. Yeah. So I interviewed him on Friday and he hates this one. I said, so the thing we hate most as journos is the one where you clearly get it wrong. And I said, you got Simpson wrong. No, I didn't. He goes, you know, he jumps and he just um, – and he, he should have just said, yeah, because we all do it and situations change, as you said. Mm. Um, but that's what happens and um, – uh, and we can all do it. We've all got. Is there one that comes to your mind that you perhaps got <laughs> wrong over all those years? I mean, you're in it for a long time, yeah. and and I guess one that was really prominent, like big back page banner that went with it, and you went, oh Jesus, I, I may have slightly missed here, or was there one? <laughs> yeah, it didn't involve the paper. It involved um, on the couch. Okay. Um, I'd been to the Carbine Club. Do you know what the Carbine Club is? Yeah, he, yeah. he does. Yeah, he hosts greatest, it every that's year. Right. Yeah. I've been to the Carbine Club. The best attended lunch of yeah. them all in terms of quality of audience. Right. So it was on, for whatever reason, on the couch was on on a Tuesday night, not the normal Monday night. Right. Carbine Club was Tuesday. That's right. I broke my golden rule of not drinking on the day that I go on TV. So I had a couple oh. and then I had a couple more. Yeah. And I had this whisper that Alistair Clarkson, who was playing in the grand final the next Saturday, uh, was going to go to West Coast the next year. And I didn't. It wasn't enough for me to go into print on it, but you know, and Jared Healy was in charge. At, yeah. Um, Always uh, had a great nose. So I just yeah. actually little teaser, and then Jared pushed me, and then for, and then in the finish, I heard myself saying, and and I think and Clark, I'll be at West Coast next year. Right? And he came, they won the flag and he came in the next week and he gave it to me. Did he? Yeah. He, you know, he, he, he said what you would say, Brian, um, if someone had upset you. <laughs> and I got that wrong. So, I, But I've, I've owned up to that because I didn't have enough. It was a bit like Eddie and Simpson. I think West Coast were really keen. This was when um, Simo got the job. Yep. Um, and then it just didn't happen. Mm. Um but gee, sometimes when I lecture the Monash journalism students a couple of times a year, I know I say all these things that we say are non-negotiables, you know, if in doubt, leave it out and all that sort of stuff. You can't do that. You'd never write a story if you did that. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And I've several times gone to bed, thought, geez, I hope I wake up tomorrow and, and that's right. the story's right. Yeah. Back on the um the culture around news and today's society versus what, how you guys did. Do you still watch the news like on a you know six o'clock seven yeah. o'clock in the evening? Not not religiously, but yeah. but if I I'm do. if I'm, I'm home, I do. I watch the chase on his channel, yeah, and then I watch the D seven news. Don't you just find that a lot of the news is just like yeah. sensationalism? It's so negative. This is why I don't watch it. I'd rather just watch something else and, you know, out of sight, out of mind a lot of the time. But how do you know what's happening in the world? Well, I, I follow a few things on, on my social media well, accounts that keep know, me but updated. But how do you know that's accurate? Well, how do you know the news is accurate? Well, because at least you can see, like, I'll give you an example. This week, you know, the last two weeks, Nick Dacos has been on the news a lot. Will he or won't he be ready for this game? Yeah. And every bit of vision I see on the news... I'm judging myself. I'm not really listening to what they're saying. I'm looking at him mm. and, yeah, and we, what he's doing. Is he is he sprinting? Yep. Is he moving I sideways? This is yep. a screen, also. I know, but I'm. I, I, that's that's why I like to see it. You don't. But see anyway, it. Do, are you, do you think the news cycle today, the 24-hour news cycle, is just ultra negative, a little bit? Largely not, away from sport. I'm not talking about now, sport. largely. I think you're right, but but this um, might surprise you but it's true good news doesn't sell 
That's true, and that's really unfortunate. Yeah, and because you're, my Mike, you're speaking to a save the planet person mm-hmm. here. So he, is he, there something wrong with saving he the planet? Good no, ne- I was just like, as he I thinks am. good oh, news so is a winner. We're, <laughs> we're doing a pinky promise about the planet, me and Mike Sheehan. No, it's nice to have a, a young person who. Well, I know a lot of young people are aware of that. And now, yeah. do you um, separate your uh, degradables and your? Yeah, you know, I, do? I, I do composting. Bloody yeah, do it all. Separate the recyclables. Good boy. I, knew, I, knew I just did. put them in you a put fire. them all in, yeah, yeah all in the same one and burn them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Hey, listen, Kerry Packer, Greg Norman, Herb Elliott, Sir Oxford, these are all people that you've interviewed at some stage. Yeah, they are. They're big names. They are, aren't they? Jesus, was there? What was the, what was Greg Norman like? Uh, it was because uh, he's one of my heroes. Is he? Yeah, it was good. But I interviewed I, him at Crown. I was working for Fox, and and Fox invited him to come to Australia and said, and he said, I'll come if you pay my petrol bill. In his plane, right? Oh, right? So, okay, they said yes if you do an interview when you get here. So he said yes. So I interviewed him uh, with when he was married to Chris Everett. Now Greg was good, and and he was quite open, and he and he said some flattering things about the person who interviewed him, and um, really? including I said to him, I said, "Who are your friends, Greg?" Oh. And, uh, oh. He was in trouble, and Greg not obviously lived golf is Jeez. what he's been in the news for. He would yeah. have lost a lot more friends. With How that. do you sum yeah. up what you're seeing there at the moment? Uh, no, I'm happy with that. No, but are you happy with the Norman involvement particularly? Uh, it's bigger than that to me. Right. I, this is World Series cricket on the golf course, and it needed it. We yeah. the Aus- Australia got no tournaments. PGA did what they liked to whomever they liked. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm I'm happy with it. Yeah. What about Kerry Packer? Was, Scary. Yeah, well, when when I was working for the A's, this is in the seventies, probably seventy seven or eight, um, and I was at the SCG covering a super test, and he was in an office, and a bloke called Bill McCartney, who was his PR bloke, came down and said, "Kerry said if you'd like an interview, he's happy to talk to you because you've been fair to us, right? Fair." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I went in there, and he's got his feet up on the ta- on the on the table. Big man, Kerry. Yeah. About four packets of Rothmans yeah. sitting there. Um, and I had a half an hour with him. Amazing. Was Did good. he get through the four packets? Uh, not in the half hour, but I, I reckon they were all gone by the time he went home at night. But he, he was um, he was good. I remember. I, I did Alec Ferguson. Yeah. What was he like? Uh, he, yeah, he He's gruff. You know, he's a Scot. Right. Yeah. Um, Who's Alex Ferguson? Coach of Come bloody on, Manchester man. United, the greatest coach of all time. How many premierships he win, Mike? You heard of Captain Cook? 13 or something? <laughs> you haven't heard of Sir Alex Ferguson? Oh, I've heard the name, but I didn't know what he was connected oh, please. to. please. He was the... I'm being vulnerable here. It's okay, yeah. guys. Yeah. yeah. It's quite... okay. I don't know everything. He's quite Aren't you more recent. relaxed now? Yeah. <laughs> no. <He's> quite... <laughs> Just on Packer, I remember, I think it was Gary Lyon on one particular day when Nine had the footy. And I remember... I think it was Gary. I, I, I'm apologising in advance if it wasn't, but Gary is at half time and said, "Well, whoever at the game we were doing was, you know, they're 63 points down. This game is over." Mm. And as quick as the flash, the red phone in the truck in the broadcast truck downstairs rang. You tell that prick that mm. if he ever tells my viewers to go away and uh, do the lawn mowing again, he'll be doing the lawn mowing next. Is that right? Yeah, that, yeah. that was went and along those and lines. And is that why you? Seem to go out of your way to talk. I, I learnt a lot from that particular situation. Never to give a game away. Not, but not just number one because of your bosses telling you to keep the viewers glued to the screen, but number two, 
I just think games, anything from under 50 points at half time can be returned. Do you to, mean that? Can be turned around in the modern game. Do you mean that? Absolutely do. And sometimes I get an inkling. It's just a passage. It just might be a six or seven minute passage of play. Team's down by 35 points. And I can sense that things are starting to fall into place for okay, them. Okay, that's all right. If you yeah. believe, if you genuinely believe uh, that. No, but, I do. I do. The, I, I can't remember any game where I genuinely have not believed that they couldn't get Tell up. me this, Brian, as a spokesman for the commentariat. Mm-hmm. Why are you so forgiving of blokes who stuff up when they kick for goal? Um, this know, hasn't this, happened. This is a great question. I reckon I know a lot about that mm-hmm. particular tiny little skill in our game. I have been saying for years and banging my head up against the wall, and I still believe it today, that they are not taught the way they should be. They are taught by people that wouldn't have a clue. (laughs) And by that I mean set shot goal kicking is an art in itself and you must have experienced to be able to teach Mm. it properly, Mm. to know what's going through their minds, to know about the drop and the feel, not just gone and played 200 games of league footy. That doesn't qualify you to coach set shot goal kicking, I reckon. And I don't. And I think a lot of the coaches that are coaching it at AFL level right at the moment uh, are defenders, uh, midfielders that have never done it or rarely done it. And I just think that they don't do enough of it. Well, I, they, I don't, remember. they don't do enough. We, I, I can remember going training, and I, I hate going back to my time and. Ref- 100 shots, 50 shots, whatever mm. it was, when I went and had an opportunity at Collingwood a few years ago when Mick was there and, uh, you know, their head of fitness said to me, he can only have six kicks, mm. he can only have five kicks, he can only have ten kicks at goal. I thought, that's it. How can he they He told me that story How can eight years better? ago on Open yeah. Mic. Yeah. yeah. Word perfect. See, I thought yeah. you would have embellished that. Or, no. no. That's exactly but, what but, happened. But, I was shocked. Okay, but that's – I understand now why blokes do miss. But why, why – people – a bloke will miss a goal that's critical mm. in the context of, of, the, of the game at that time. Yep. And it's just like it didn't happen. Then they sort of say, oh, yeah, well, they've moved him to him and he's about to quick it in. Yep. They should be – why aren't they battled for that? Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's costing games. You know, Mike, in this, in this era of professionalism where w- one tiny little bit of improvement in one tiny mm-hmm. little area, like weighing your food so you've got the right diet. Yeah, like Pendles how, does. How small is that? Yeah. But that's for a gain, yeah. so that's acceptable. But goal kicking for a large gain, for to win or lose a game, is not regarded as a high priority, or doesn't appear to be regarded no, as a high priority. So if you had the footy and your team needs to kick the goal to win, Jesus. and and I'm and you, I'm forty out, or the ball, uh, the kick is to be taken from forty out. Who do you want to have it? Probably for me, probably Tony Lockett. What about today? He has, yeah, the, greatest, yeah, today. He yeah, has today. the greatest strike rate of any of historic forwards. Today, who do I want it today? Jesus. Um, Get out of the 80s, mate. I'm just trying to think. Uh, <laughs> give me give me a team. Well, which, I, I like uh, Langford. I mean, I think he's a really yeah, good kick for goal. complicated. There's a few yeah. guys I just can't come to mind now that have got very uncomplicated styles that I like. So let me give you this theory. Uh, from 30... You wouldn't get this in a hundred guesses, but I would take Mason Cox, right? Yeah, I would too. Okay, it's clinical. You know why? He, because he doesn't he, he doesn't expose himself to any error. No, he you're, drops you're, it that you're far. Right. And you know, do you know why he doesn't expose himself Be- to any error? Because he was taught when he got here. What happens? Lang- 
blank what, ca- blank what happens canvas. with the Irish guys that come? They're taught when they get here. They taught mm. when they get here. This Harrison, when you teach someone from the start and they haven't had 20 years through junior football with a coach saying do it this way, when you can get them at a professional level like clubs are doing with the Irish boys and Mason yeah. Cox, no. I agree totally. Mason Cox for me, 30 metres out directly mm. in front, so uncomplicated, isn't going to miss. Mm. Oh, how come I can't kick if I had you as a coach? No, but you didn't have me as a coach because you, you weren't you prepared wouldn't to put the work in. You, you wouldn't, wouldn't listen. Oh, you wouldn't listen. There's a, there's a kid that uh, my grandson you plays everything. South Melbourne Districts and he plays with a kid who's got the sk- this far out. He's only 13 this kid. He should play league football. Oh, come on, you can't. No, I know I said this far out, yeah. but, he, but he's not a good kick. Right. Now, can't kick, can't play. That's what Brian says. Well, yep. I'm a bit with that. Yeah. If you can't kick or can't run, you can't. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Kicking and running but, are the two most important the kids things. Are, the kids are star at, at that level. Yeah. Well, you Does better it, you better tell them to get the kicking I right know. or the running right. Yeah. Um, oh, you can run. Back yeah. on the open mic, was there one that got away? What oh, do you mean? Lots of them. Oh, yeah. Who, well, who one, one that you missed out yes, on. Yes. Who didn't you do? Plugger wouldn't do it. And I can, because we had a confrontational relationship um, and he doesn't like publicity much anyway but Gary Lyon wouldn't do it Jared Healy wouldn't do it Jared Healy Jared said I asked the questions commissioner I don't answer them <laughs> <laughs> Tim Watson wouldn't do it God and, and for no good I, I understand Tim Tim doesn't want to be quizzed about the saga at Essendon yep. and the Brownlow medal with yep. Job and stuff like that but I didn't mind when blokes had a legitimate excuse or were yep. too shy. Like I rang Dean Kemp, who I didn't know. I was in Perth doing Glenn Dinning and Bazusta, and I rang him up. He said, this is word, word perfect. He said, hey, he said, I love that show. Watch it every week. He said, well, I'm not doing it. Well, what do I say to that? Mm. Is there any uh, any of the old greats as well, not just the, the guys of recent time? Are there any of the absolute legends, say, in the AFL Hall of Fame legend status that that – didn't want to do it, or uh, have you got most of those? They guys? were more inclined to say yes, right? I think, mm. um, for history purposes, I'm imagining. Well, I think, look, even as as modest as people can be, I think people like seeing their own highlights, and people like, you know, if you do that, and you, there are your highlights in front of you, and people tell you they liked how you. Uh, you be, you were on the show, and you're remembered. All that, I think, don't you think? Yeah. Did you do quite, Rex Hunt? Yep. Yeah. Was he good? Because <laughs> he's different, flamboyant. <laughs> Go on. Enough <laughs> um, oh, for you, Squid. I can't read him at all. No, he's hard to read. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah. Hey, one last question. Can I ask this question, Harrison? I yeah, just... as long as I've got one more after that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> one last question from me. The most famous person in your phone book. You would have the best best black book of phone mm. numbers I could imagine anyone ever compiling. Is there one in that? I'm not thinking of Kerry Packer. I'm thinking of Greg Norman. But I'm thinking maybe even beyond that. I don't know other sports people from around the world. Or is there is there one that you go? Jeez, I could, no. I could ring him up. I could say Lady Di, couldn't I? Uh, well, who's the most famous person you've met? Um. I met the Queen's husband once. What's his name? Prince Philip. Yeah, <laughs> the Queen's. Husband. He, he would He wouldn't have said that if you didn't. Uh, um, did you? Yeah, nineteen eighty-two Commonwealth Games when we played the exhibition game. Right. Well, that wouldn't see. That doesn't um, excite me all that much. Okay. Well, what excited? Who, who excited you? Well, someone like if I'd met. I can't remember actually. 
Look, that's not a big deal to me. What are you doing with it? What what this phone book that you've constructed? Well, I haven't constructed. Can a phone you give book. it to me? Like I would like. We to, need some guests like for the podcast. I would like to buy it. What do you think it's worth? Uh, no, I do. Have, there's quite a few in there because when yeah. people sort of say, "Oh, you wouldn't have a number for such and such," yeah. I sort of say, "Well, yeah, probably." Um, You're the one handing out all the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Harrison. Your yes. last question is, "Yeah, Mike." So we can't do this show without our great sponsors, Grimley's. Um, yep. Grimley's a construction. Brett yes, Brett yeah. Grimley. Well, no longer Brett Grimley. Hang it's on, just Grimley's. Don't interrupt the ad. You can interrupt the ad. Go no, on. well, I was going to because people will listen more now. If we, if yeah, not just exactly. An ad. But Sam, his son and daughter Hannah Sam, have sort of taken Sam, the over. Big talk, the tour kid, yeah. played yeah, at Hawthorne at Grimley's. They yeah. go above and beyond. Uh, Where or when has someone gone above and beyond in your life for you? For you? For me? Jesus, some obscure questions here today. Professional or personal? It's... Well, you've done a lot for people. Has someone done something for you? Like my kids or people, other just anyone, um, like a producer on a show or yeah. anyone surprise yeah. you with anything? Did you have a fiftieth or sixtieth or seventieth? Billy, no, I didn't have a seventieth. Billy Cannon used to uh, throw my milestone birthday parties, right? So that he could tell his favourite joke. Another great journalist. But he said um, he used to say that my mum used to buy half a dozen lamb chops and. Put them around my neck so the dog would play with me. <laughs> <laughs> what a good way to end it! That is fantastic. Actually, I've thought of someone for Grimley's above and beyond. Yeah. Uh, well, Grimley's will like this. Uh, it's Alistair Lynch. Well, Alistair Lynch. Yeah. I love Alistair Lynch. He's Great the, fella. He's the best bloke that I've met via the football scene. Why? Because How? he because he cares. This right. is what I'm about to tell you. We would do um, uh, on the couch. On a Monday night, yeah, and Lynchy was doing something that many stayed in town for. Right, um, I think there was a show that Fox had that he was either on on Tuesday or Monday, and so we'd all go back to Lamaro's and have a few beers afterwards. Uh, and this is over a fairly long period, and I worked with Herdy and well, Jared, obviously, yeah. and um, Wolsey and Wolsey, all those. Sort of, yeah, and Lynchy would say every week, he said, he say, "Righto, old timer, come on, we, um, I'll give you a ride home." I said, "No, I don't need a ride home. I said, I only live." Kaya, it'll be good for me to have a walk. Yeah. And he'd say, no, and then we blew over that. And I, I was, I was, I mean, no one else cared, right? They're just finishing their drinks and all that. And then I sort of said, no, Lynch, I'll be better for it, right? So 20 minutes later, I'd be home, phone would ring. You there, old boy? Lynchy. Just wanted to make sure you got home okay. Really? And he, yeah. and he does stuff like that. That's sort of symbolic yeah. of what, what he's done. So he, and that doesn't sound probably much to you, but it, it was really important to me that people just, so not that bloody bullshit where they, yeah. they pretend to care. When he, he yeah. asks you how you are and he actually really cares about yeah. the response. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It was very, yeah. So, and he, and he meant it and he would always follow it up and, and just make sure that. Amazing. Was, yeah. yeah. And then he'll ring out of the blue. Yeah. Um, just want to see how you're going. Yeah. That's incredible. So, I, I uh, and, he, and he he's another who should, be, uh, who should be in the Hall of Fame. Not in the Hall of no, Fame? No. Three time Premiership player. Yeah. 300 games. Yep. <laughs> Best and fairest. The, Yes, best fullback of his time. Yes, and almost the best full forward of his time. Yeah, five over five hundred goals. He he kicked. Um, he, Jonathan Brown kicked twenty four or twenty six goals in finals. Lynch kicked sixty five. Wow, yeah. played in a few. Yeah, yeah, full forward as well. 
All right, we'll All go. Right, Mike. Uh, uh, anyway, look, I don't know if that was worth it. No, that, that was no, fantastic. Was. So uh, uh, just to put an end to it, Mike Sheehan, the end. <laughs> <laughs>